0: The blast from our past network.
1: <laughs> Looks like I just bought seven years' bad luck. Speaking
0: of bad luck,
1: it's time for another nasty little terror tale from my Crowley collection. And this one's got a message, too. It's a story about greed, death, and a girl who learned that beauty is only sin. Talking Back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim. This week, we're going to be sliding into October with some spooky content. We're going to be covering the comic book Tales from the Crypt. Spooky issue number 21, 22, and 23. Dean, scale 1 to 10. How terrified are you right now?
0: Tim, I have never seen such horror and such terror on a comic book page before. I am at a 10.
1: I've never been more scared in my life. Than right now, this never this very moment life. for what we are doing all month. I don't think I'm actually going to make it through the month. You know when people no. just like flat out die? They have heart attacks from fear. Right. Pretty sure that's going to happen yeah. to me this month. What spoilers, about spoilers? It happens in this comment. What about you? <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, hey, hey, listeners, uh, thanks for joining. Uh little uh, little heads up. You know, we did this last year. We're going to do it again. We're going to drop scary, terrifying, and murderous content for all of October. Yeah, bone chilling. Uh, because you know what? We kind of love Halloween, and I think a lot of um, other people do as well. So that's what we're doing. Buckle in. If you are a scaredy cat, you might want to just sit this month out. And that's fine. We won't judge you. It's all good. Okay.
0: Yeah, it's going to be some very um, uh, mature content, very scary content.
1: Blood will be shed, tears will fall, yes. heads will roll off of bodies. Heads, will roll. Foot, heads footprints, will roll off of bodies. Footprints will be found, and you, oh. and you don't and know where be they too came big. from. they'll be too big or too small, Tim. Oh, yes. Yes, Dean, indeed. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm I'm so looking forward to it. It's going to be so much fun. And I think yeah. this is an excellent way to kick things off.
0: Uh, yeah, this is great, Tim. I just I need to make one correction. It is uh, we are doing issues 2021 20, and 22.
1: What did I say?
0: 21, 22 and 23, which is terrifying that you did that.
1: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that is scary. You were trying to throw us right off. No, I wasn't. That's just that's how scared I am. I don't even know what we're doing this week. <laughs>
0: You're so scared of 20, you wanted to not even talk about it. You were hoping I wouldn't notice.
1: That's right. I was hoping we were just going to do 21 to 23 and just skip right over 20, because it is a chilling, chilling comic book. Thank you for correcting me, though. I was looking right at the numbers and said them wrong. That's okay. It's not the first time I've screwed up on this podcast. I'm
0: the the numbers guy.
1: Yeah. Thank Thank you for that correction. So... I kind of, like, had no idea about these comics, these Tales from the Crypt comics. What about you?
0: Um, I knew that they existed, um, and I knew what they were. I had never read them before, Um, but I knew it was going to be something that was kind of up my alley because uh, when I was a kid, I really loved TV shows that gave you, like, really tiny stories that were spooky or creepy or whatever it was, and you'd watch a, like... 20 minute show and it would have four or five stories in it. And that was like one of my favorite things to watch around October or whenever. So I knew that I would be like really down with this comic, but I never actually got into it and read any of it.
1: Yeah, I'm the same. Like I obviously I knew it was a comic because you know, there was the, the show which was based on the comic. So I knew there was a comic. I never read the comic. I was a little bit surprised to, Start reading the comic and to find out that each issue is um a combination of four short stories, which yeah. you just mentioned. and um I never really watched the Tales from the Crypt television show. I think that was too scary for me, and so I don't know if I'm assuming they did the same type of structure, just short stories, but it never occurred yeah. to me that that's what we were gonna get here. So by covering three issues of this comic, we're actually gonna have. 12 terrifying short stories to share. Perfect. Which I I think that's a lot of fun. So we're going to try to get all of those out in this episode. Uh, You know, we'll give like kind of the the fastest synopsis we can of each one so that we don't take up too much of your day, everybody. But I find it so interesting digging into um, certain titles like this that I knew nothing about. And then sometimes you think the background's going to be boring and there's not going to be a lot of interesting things happening. Not the case here. So I was surprised to find out this comic book was released in 1950. Yeah, I know. That's surprising. It's old. This comic is filled with terrifying things, such as Mm -hmm. horror, such as terror, such as murder, Mm -hmm. such as death. There's tremendous amount of digging of graves. There is a tremendous amount of that. There's all sorts of lust. There's deceit. Yeah. There's yeah. chaos. Do you have any uh, adjectives?
0: Uh, no, just that everybody's first thought to solve any problem is to murder somebody. <laughs> That's true.
1: everyone's first thought. That's true. I also don't know if those are adjectives. I'm more of a math guy than an English guy, so... Right. Don't send any emails correcting us. So, Dean, in 1933, the year I was born... I'm just kidding. Wow. I'm not that old, okay? I'm not that old, everybody. I know you like to joke about it, but I'm not that old. Close. 1933, Maxwell Charles Gaines was a salesperson at a printing company that printed Sunday newspaper comic strips. He conceived of the idea of packaging the comics altogether in a book for promotional purposes. Gaines produces 10,000 copies of an eight-page newsprint magazine titled Funnies on Parade, which was a collection of several comic strips from the time. After it found great success as a promotional item for Procter & Gamble, they would create similar promotional magazines for other large companies. I I find that very interesting that this guy decided to put, like, Sunday comic strips together in a book. Yeah, that's cool. And I actually am really interested that it was for promotional purposes as well. Like, they were just giving it away for free.
0: Yeah, that is... That's what I would love to read. You know, if I loved... The comic strips in the newspaper, I'd want a book of all of them. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, that would be really, really cool. Now, one year later in 1934, Gaines would publish Famous Funnies, which ran for 218 issues and is considered the first true North American comic book. In 1938, Gaines would begin publishing comics under the name All American Publications, which would create The Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, Hawkman, and Starman. In 1944, Gaines would be bought out by a company called National Periodical Publications, which would later become known as DC Comics. Oh, cool. Now, Maxwell Gaines, he would use the proceeds from that buyout to create his own company called Educational Comics, better known as EC Comics, which is the publisher of Tales from the Crypt.
0: Right, okay.
1: But at the time, they would specialize in educational and child-focused stories. After Maxwell Gaines passes away in 1947, his son William takes over the company and begins to create more mature stories in genres like horror, war, fantasy, and sci-fi. And EC Comics' greatest success would actually be Mad Magazine. But another one of their brands that would prove to stand the test of time is Tales from the Crypt.
0: Cool. So William's just like, fuck this kid's stuff.
1: Yeah. William was like, enough of this child noise. Let's have some fun. Dad's gone. Let's turn this into a rock and roll company. (laughs)
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Now, Tales from the Crypt started out as International Comics, which ran for five issues then became International Crime Patrol for one issue, then became Crime Patrol, which ran for 10 issues, then became The Crypt of Terror, which ran for three issues. Then at issue 20, it finally became Tales from the Crypt, which would run from issue 20 to 47. So while we are doing issues 20, 21, and 22, those are... Technically, the first three issues of Tales from the Crypt.
0: Wow, that is uh, confusing.
1: It is very confusing. I didn't know that these were the first ones, but that's pretty cool. These are the first three, because I wanted to do the first first comic. I wanted to do the first one, and I had to figure out what that was, and that's how I came across all that information. Awesome. Now, the comic would be re-released several times through the years, It would be turned into a popular TV show running for seven seasons. A couple of movies, Demon Knight and Bordello of Blood would be made. And in 2002, a film titled Ritual is released and considered to be an unofficial third entry into that series. Never even heard of that one. The comic itself, Dean, would be raised from the dead in 2007 with new issues (laughs) being created by the Paper Cuts Publishing House.
0: Very scary. That's a great publishing house if you're making horror paper cuts to call yourself paper cuts.
1: Yeah, it's cuts with a Z as well.
0: Oh, great. No one wants paper cuts.
1: (laughs) You know, they like to have fun.
0: (laughs) So good. We want you to bleed on our comics.
1: Oh, spooky. Yeah. Now, Dean, I would like to talk a little bit about one of my least favorite things. The Comic Book Regulatory Associations. Oh, They're always out trying to ruin everybody's fun.
0: And we don't like them.
1: In specific here, I want to talk about something called the Association of Comics Magazine Publishers, or the ACMP for short. Okay. This group of seven, including Maxwell Gaines, created the association in the face of public criticism of comic books. The ACMP was around for a few years, and it was the precursor to the dreaded Comics Code Authority. No. That decided to take all of the fun out of comics. Now, at the time, the law in the United States, which was a ruling from the United States Supreme Court, in the 1800s, actually, was that they outlawed publications with, quote, Pictures and stories of deeds of bloodshed, lust, or crime.
0: Cool, there's a lot of that in here.
1: You were for sure not allowed to have that content published. Okay? What the ACMP was actually trying to do was they were trying to self-regulate the industry to actually avoid the interference from an from an official regulatory body. So they're trying to say, like if we kind of make up some softer rules, Maybe they won't come down so hard on us and make us cut everything out.
0: Oh, okay. Okay.
1: I kind of get that. And I actually, I appreciate what they were trying to do, but I feel like unfortunately what it was, was the equivalent of reading from the Necronomicon and unleashing this horrible terror into the world.
0: Exactly. Just the idea
1: of regulating comics
0: exactly your your heart was in the right place you found a book in the basement you just wanted to read it but uh, all hell was unleashed on you because of it
1: the worst kind of hell the worst kind yeah the hell you can't even imagine the loss of fun in comic books
0: The, the loss of fun the comics code of america the worst hell
1: those bastards
0: they i i wish the comics code got murdered in one of these
1: books so this um ACMP uh, their code was not a success at all. Most people ignored it. As you can imagine, you know, if yeah. this group just says, "Hey everybody, let's start doing this." and you're like, "Well, that's not fun, so we're not going to do it."
0: We're going to go with fun. We're going to publish fun. Yeah,
1: we're going to publish fun. But, you know, as mentioned, what that did was it actually opened the door for others to follow. So, this is this is very funny and kind of ironic, but Maxwell Gaines, he basically helps invent comic books, he makes comics for children, and helps start the ACMP. His son William takes over after Maxwell dies, William moves away from children's stories into horror and terror, and the ACMP that his father helped create is the catalyst for Tales from the Crypt being cancelled by the Comics Code Authority. Wow. It's a very ghoulish tale.
0: Yeah, William was really trying to stick it to his dad. Do you think all these tales came from him just being like, I think my dad's haunting me. I think he's going to probably come back from the dead and uh, burn my house down because I've done this to his comic. Like, this is so funny.
1: Yeah, what a strange circle that is. So strange.
0: Oh, man, at least it's, uh, it's it's all in the family there. I
1: guess so. <laughs> what does that matter? It's
0: just a weird loop. It's just a weird <laughs> family loop.
1: <laughs> yeah. There's
0: some issues. There's some issues there.
1: I thought it was all very interesting. I, d- I just found all that stuff so fascinating. Like just yeah. that there's a, a really neat history behind all this.
0: Yeah, but I'd like to know Max Max and Will's relationship, how that was
1: it was not good. From what I read. Yeah, seems like it. Max was like uh an abusive father. Uh, okay, yeah, because it just
0: really seems like he's trying to stick it to stick it to his dad.
1: Yeah, and then from beyond the grave, yeah, Max returns and shuts exactly. down tales from the crypt. It's it's yes. chilling. It's it's chilling. I'm, I'm listeners, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you had to listen to all that. That's it's, it's I don't so know if I can
0: carry on. That's how chilling it is.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Tim, either.
0: That story could have been one of these stories. Like <laughs> you, it actually could kidding. have. That's exactly the type of stories we read here.
1: This is very true. All these stories are going to sound very similar <laughs> to that one
0: to that. That's so funny. Except
1: they have more murder in them.
0: They have a lot more murder, yeah. yeah. Like in it, William would have murdered Max in in one of
1: these stories. Right. Right. Max um he did die in an accident, a boating accident though, which could have fit in this ah. book. It wasn't natural boating accident
0: made it appear like an accident.
1: Yeah. A uh, boating murder perhaps. A boating murder. Okay, so let's get to these stories. So we're going to start with issue 20, also known as issue 21 by me. No, just no, 20. Tim. It's just 20. It's just issue 20. Yeah. Okay. It's called uh, as I mentioned there's there's four parts. Each one of these yeah. uh, issues has four parts. The first the first part of issue 20 is called the thing From the Sea. Great title. A very great title. Now, I just want to stop and say, before we even get into it, that I love, in this issue in particular, how they have narration at the top of each panel, explaining a little bit about what's happening in the panel. This really reminded me of old text-based video games. The tone was very, very similar. So... I'm just going to read you an excerpt of one of those narrations at the top of a panel. Cool. The steward sets your bags down in your stateroom, checks the porthole to see that it is securely bolted, and then edges towards the door. There's a look of fear on his face. So, for me, if this was a text-based game, they would ask you what you want to do next And then you'd try to type in their correct answer. And if you type in the wrong answer, nothing happens. And they they just say, no, that's whatever that he doesn't, the man stands there in fear or something. But if you can type the right right answer, then you progress the game. Those were like the early computer video games before computer video games had a lot of like cool graphics and stuff. That's what you played. And it was really interesting. And just the whole tone of this narration really reminded me of that.
0: Yeah, totally, especially because there uh, a lot of the narration refers to you as the person it's happening to, yes. which is uh yeah, that 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 gives it that feel for sure. Um for me it really uh like I think I think cartoons that I watched as a kid that were um this type of thing were definitely modeling themselves after tales from the crypt so it definitely felt like that for me where there's like a narrator narrating a story a creepy story always jumping in and just narrating what's happening and then we watch a bit about what's happens and then the narrator pump you know, like comes back in again so it just really felt like that
1: yeah and like same as the show th- these comics all start out with like the crypt keeper explaining yeah. that he's got some terrifying tales to tell you
0: yeah The one I watched, I think, was for kids. Like, it wasn't Tales from the Crypt. It was called Freaky Stories, and it was two bugs that would introduce it. And every story would start, this is a true story. It happened to a friend of a friend of mine. Nice. (laughs) Very creepy.
1: (laughs) That's very scary. Uh, I'm also pleasantly surprised by the art, just right off the bat. Yeah, great. Uh, Very very vibrant colors, like really tight illustrations. Very, very clean... It was not what I was expecting. I don't know what I was expecting, but I was expecting the art to look dated, but it wasn't
0: well, well, here's the thing when you make like pop art now that is supposed to look like it's from old comics, it looks really good, and it is this like this is what it looks like. It looks exactly like this
1: these um we picked these up on Comixology, and yeah like, they were all remastered, and they look fantastic. they look great. So, a man needs passage to England and is looking to board a large ocean liner. The only bed left is in unlucky cabin 13. Unfortunately, no one who stayed in that cabin has ever survived a journey. Now, I mean, you'd have to think that they'd shut this liner down if every journey someone is getting murdered in that room. You kind of think it might not sail anymore.
0: Every time they go port to port, they have to minus someone off of that manifest. That is ridiculous. They should definitely shut this thing
1: down. (laughs) One night, though, the man, staying in the room, sees the terror for himself. A strange noise is coming from the upper bunk, and it wakes him. Ooh, He looks... And he finds some sort of seaweed monster creature. It runs out of the cabin and jumps into the ocean. The next day, the captain suggests he stay with the man that night. And if this thing shows up again, together they can overpower it. The man agrees. Later that night, the horrible sounds are back. And so is the thing. The captain sees it and is horrified, though. He says, No, no. It can't be you. You're dead. I murdered you. Killed you right there in that top bunk and pushed you out the portal into the sea. And then the captain drops dead from fear. The end.
0: What? Pretty good first one. Not my favorite, but some things that I really like about it. Um, I really liked that the captain murdered a guy and then that guy was haunting everyone and I guess killing them also. Or I guess they were dying of fear because they were so afraid. Um, I loved that idea and that's going to be something that's going to carry on I think with a lot of these um, tales is that I kind of get thrown at the end. It's a little bit of a twist that I wasn't quite expecting and this starts it off really good that the captain killed someone and that person's haunting everyone
1: yeah that was fun that was fun it was fun fun i i also
0: liked when the bunk i also liked when he had a bunkmate right at the beginning and that bunkmate ran out screaming and then uh the guy heard that ooh sound and he just thought it was his bunkmate yeah so then the next day when he realized his bunkmate never returned that was real creepy because he heard that noise in the middle of the night
1: yes let's move on to the next one cool titled Fatal Caper. It was sheer boredom that made Marilyn Ambers buy the dusty old book in the dusty old bookstore. A dusty old book of magic. She's told not to try any of the spells, but she does. She invites her friends to a graveyard, and they add the special ingredients to a cauldron. The hair of a baby mouse. The nail of a dog born dead. The wing of a baby bat. The tip of an ear. Spit of the tongue. Moss from a dead man's grave. And a pinch of mummy dust. Shazam. Where in the fuck do you get those things?
0: Where do you get the nail of a dog born dead? They just sell those things on every corner store? What the hell? Where did you get that?
1: Yeah. That, that's another kind of trope in these books. It's just like yeah. the suspension of disbelief for some of the stuff they feed you is pretty over the top, and I like it.
0: It's amazing. None of these characters are actual people. Like, this, no, nothing could ever happen. None of these people are actual people. It's fantastic.
1: Yeah. Something appears, grabs Marilyn, and is gone. And one by one, they're all taken. Jim is taken last. He's taken and thrown into a coffin, And it's nailed shut. But wait, Dean. It was just a trick. The other three are outside the coffin laughing. They pulled a real dead body out and threw Jim in. (laughs) That's creepy. That is really creepy, man. It's time to let him out, though. But they don't have the right tools to get him out. Whoops. Probably should have thought about that.
0: Locked him in there.
1: Yeah, the tools are in the car. So they go to get the tools. In the meantime, the caretaker of the graveyard buries the coffin with Jim inside, and he buries it deep. When his friends find out what happened, they beg the caretaker to dig up Jim. He's still alive. The caretaker says he'll never dig up that body. It had leprosy, and anyone who touched it will also get it. The three friends look at their hands, and they too now have leprosy. The end
0: that's amazing that's the type of creepy story i want to hear tim i want to hear about a group of friends who are trying to prank their friend so all the horror was actually fake but then they all end up getting killed they're going just like such elaborate measures they pulled uh, they dug up uh they took a dead body they didn't dig it up but they took a dead body out of a coffin and put their friend in it and then they're like oh no i guess we can't get him out And he gets carted off and buried. I was just laughing at this point in this. I was really, really enjoying this one. This one is, uh, it's pretty funny. I think the real villain here is the guy who sold that book. He's just like, here's, here's this book. And um, it is actually witchcraft. Don't do it though. Don't do it because it's actually witchcraft. He still sold them the book. They're obviously going to do it. I know it actually ended up being fake though.
1: I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you.
0: Yeah, and it actually ended up being fake.
1: He's just selling the book and he, he warned them. If you're not going to heed the warning of the wise bookshop owner, then that's your problem, right?
0: I, I guess that's true. So if you just want to have the book in your home and be like, that's a real witch book that has actual yes. spells in it. Don't read out of that. Okay.
1: The book, the book guy told me not. to. I guess to. that's true. Respect the bookshop guy. That was the moral of this story.
0: Yes, the villain is definitely the rich kids. We have to remember these are rich kids who are bored, so they decided oh, to bury dude.
1: their friend. The, the Tales from the Crypt hates rich kids. That, they make hates that much apparent kids. throughout these stories. They hate rich kids, and they hate love triangles. <laughs> I would like to say that I think it's hilarious the Caretaker wouldn't dig up the body, even though oh, yeah, they said sure. it's our friend Jim. He's alive. The Caretaker yeah. is so set in his ways, he's like, nope. That's, no not, that's not what I buried. I no, buried yeah. something <laughs> far worse than a gym. And I also would say, I would like to see one more page of what the caretaker does to them, now seeing that they have leprosy. And this care, yes. this caretaker clearly hates leprosy. I think we get yeah. one more page. He is killing all three of them.
0: Yeah, shovel to the back of the head for sure, uh, digging three more graves.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I was thinking like um, the evil dead shovel head deca- decapitation uh oh maybe yeah maybe 3 I mean, in a row he just throws yeah. standing beside each other and he just gets all 3 and pops them all
0: off maybe if adrenaline took over his body he could probably do it
1: yeah well he probably has leprosy too i'm sure he touched the dead body let's be serious maybe he'd have to kill himself yeah. too
0: yeah maybe a good one
1: good story up next prescription death greg works too hard it's causing him health issues janet's worried and calls a doctor for a prescription. The prescription helps Greg start to lose interest in his work. He just wants to have fun with his friends. Greg is going out every night. Janet is ecstatic. Until one day, Janet notices one of his fingers has turned old and decrepit. Soon, Greg is hiding his entire hand, then both his arms. He's becoming angered and says he'll no longer be going out. He'll be staying home and working. Janet speaks to the chemist about the prescription. He double-checks, and whatever was in the container was not the correct medicine. They don't even know what it was. But they (laughs) analyze it, and they find out it has a composition similar to digestive enzymes. Greg is being digested alive. Wow. The ceiling below Greg's room starts dripping a black liquid. Janet and the doctor rush to his room and find upon the floor a dark putrid mass, seething, neither liquid nor solid, bubbling, and out of the midst of it shone two burning points like eyes. As the thing lunged for them, the doctor, tears in his eyes, struck at it with his cane, again and again, until it lived no more. The End
0: great um so this one a little weak for me just because he just gets a wrong prescription so there's not really a lot of creepiness for me i like the puddle of goop at the end i like that he turns into a puddle of goop like that's probably my favorite part but like the creepiness is kind of missing for me in this one
1: yeah for me i think the creepiness is what he looks like as he's like as he's like getting digested he turns into like this black mass with these red glowing eyeballs And the exterior of his body is like all jagged and pointy. And he's like half solid and half liquid. It was really interesting. That was the terror for me is like just looking at that.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's all in the visuals of him at the end. That's it. Yeah, for sure.
1: Up next, impending doom. An artist draws a random face and doesn't know why. Then he goes for a walk. He hears hammering goes to find out what it is, and sees the man whose face he's just drawn. The man is hammering a new gravestone. A gravestone with the artist's name on it and today's date. What? Why? Come on now. That is creepy. That's creepy, man. The man assures him this is just a coincidence and even invites him in for dinner with him and his far too beautiful wife, whom the artist just happens to know from years earlier. The wife seems very upset and distraught with her husband, questioning at supper why she even married such a loser. The husband goes off to work in anger, and the wife and the artist rekindle their old flame. But the husband returns and catches them kissing, and murders the artist. The husband is arrested for murder. The artist buried beneath his already waiting tombstone. The end.
0: Already made it. That's creepy stuff. I love this one, Tim. I love Impending Doom. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. I love how... uh, that's the type of creepiness I really like. Just a guy who's just randomly etching a tombstone that happens to be this guy's name and happens to be his exact birthday and just happens to be that day that he showed up that is going to be the death day. And then his wife like fucking hates the guy who chisels these tombstones. She like comes on to the other guy and then he ends up killing him. I love it. I love that stuff. Like this is perfect creepy story for me.
1: Yeah, I like how it started. I thought it could have ended a bit stronger. I, yeah. I feel like if this guy would have just murdered more people, it would have worked out a bit better. But he just murders <laughs> the one guy. I, you gotta, yeah, I, you gotta murder the wife too at that point.
0: Yeah, this is um, there's there is a lot of uh, quick to murder decisions in these in these books, and it's just like, oh man, my wife just kissed this guy. I should murder him. Yeah, <laughs> and he probably, honestly, if he was feeling that pain, he probably should have murdered them both. You're right. But I just I love that that tombstone's already made or that headstone oh, is already well, made. That and whole uh, first
1: part was just so cool, where the guy draws that guy's picture and then you know all that. But this one I kind of kind of saw where it was going as soon as this guy invited the artist back for, for dinner. Sure. Yeah, and you can tell like the guy making the tombstone, he's like a kind of a dorky looking guy, and then he opens up his door and his wife is gorgeous. Just gorgeous. Yeah. And then I, I, immediately when I saw that, I'm like, okay, this is the classic, like, you right, can come yeah. and stay at my place, but don't look at my wife type thing. And then, yeah, so I kind of saw where that one was coming. Uh, I was hoping for a little bit more twist at the end, actually.
0: That was def- that one, though, definitely my favorite of the, uh, of the first volume.
1: Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's get into issue 21. Cool. And we're going to start with a little something called... A shocking way to die. James Cooper is in court and is sentenced to death by the electric chair. But he says he was framed, and he'll get even. A professor says he can bring Cooper back from the dead. He's been practicing reviving animals killed by electrocution and is eager to try it on a human. (laughs) I was like, what? (laughs) Who's funding this research?
0: I don't know. I mean uh, uh the guys that want this guy alive, I guess, is funding yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, who's funding that research before though
1: on the animals? Yeah. Yeah. So Cooper is fried and his corpse taken to the professor's house, where the story tells us the body was placed upon a metal table in a room filled with complicated apparatus. Cool. Well, I lo- I lo- I love that. It's like, don't ask us what it all is. Just know it's complicated stuff. It's over your head. Don't worry about it.
0: I actually had to go back and read that part because I I carried on and I was like, wait, what is happening? How is this happening? And I went back and read and I was like, ah,
1: complicated apparatus. Now I understand. (laughs) They're like, just continue on. Don't worry about (laughs) it. Don't worry about how, man. Don't worry about the how. Just keep going. (laughs) Yeah. But sure enough, this complicated apparatus works and Cooper is brought back to life. Cooper is angry, though, and kills the professor. Then he goes after the jurors. He manages to kill some, but the rest are put under police protection. But they decided not to put the judge under police protection. No way, man. He goes after the judge, but the judge fights back, hitting him with a fire poker and killing yep. Cooper once and for all. You see, Dean, his flesh was continuing to rot from being dead fantastic and the hit from the poker got rid of the last of the flesh leaving cooper a heap of dead bones and decaying rot the end
0: fantastic um love it i love how this one starts because um this cooper is saying he was framed and then he says i'll kill you all so it seems like even if he was framed, he's a guy that maybe should just be in jail anyways, uh, because <laughs> he just wants revenge right away. He's going to kill everybody because he was framed.
1: So, um,
0: yeah, seemed that's like a, a bad really guy. Good point.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. He's like, I didn't do it, but I'm going to kill all you for blaming me for it. Exactly. That's, <laughs> you can't really say that he's a bad dude <laughs> i mean the, i
0: feel like at that point they they're like we made the right decision <laughs> yeah made the right i decision think they exposed <laughs> something
1: there. they're like well if you didn't kill these people you're cl- clearly going to kill more people in the future or so or, or other yeah. people in the future
0: and he does and then uh yeah love again love the ending where it's just that his flesh was still decaying and rotting and that's how it ends like they could he could bring the guy back to life but he's actually not back to life he's actually still dead so his Skin is still rotting. His flesh is still decaying. Um, so he just
1: falls apart in the end. I love it. It's creepy. I thought that was all very smart. like Very smart. While yeah. you have some of these wild ideas, sometimes they actually make it make a lot of sense. And yeah, sometimes I found myself getting used to these stories where you're just like, oh, like that, that's yeah. a real stretch. But every once in a while, they just throw one in that completely makes sense. And it, this totally. was one of yeah. them. I thought it was really cool.
0: Yeah, actually, this this entire issue um, is my favorite. I love all the stories in this one.
1: Up next, Terror Ride. George and Ruth find a carnival, a very abandoned carnival. And they go on to the ride, The Dark Boat. Now, George is trying to get fresh with Ruth, but she's not in the mood because the scary ride is getting a bit too horrible for her. She finds it revolting. Everything looks a little too real. Then their boat gets stuck on a corpse in the water. The carnival employee confronts them, and he's mad. They didn't find his exhibits funny. He did indeed use real people for the display, and now he wants them. Before he can grab them, he slips on some water and gets trapped under a water wheel, where he'll remain for the rest of forever. And all George is concerned with now is finishing off their honeymoon. He's so fresh. The end.
0: George is so horny. George is a He's sex so maniac. Horny.
1: That's it. That's what I got sex out of this one. George maniac. needs to have sex right now.
0: They're, they're on a dark ride where the ride is showing you images of people killing other people. <laughs> and George is like, come on, let's do it. <laughs> We're in a dark room. Let's get
1: it on. The lights are dimmed. It's sexy time.
0: It's sexy time. Um, I love this one. I absolutely love this one. Like this one's my favorite, I think, um, because I love I love dark rides. Like I I'm a I like amusement parks and I really like thrill rides, but I think I just have like this soft spot for dark rides where you just get in a little boat and you go slowly down and you look at stuff. And if you got in it in one of those. Um, one of those rides and the boat starts going down and there's like realistic looking murders happening beside you, I would just be like, this is creeping me out and you can't get off. You can't get off this ride. You're in the boat. You're stuck in the boat. You got to still keep watching these images. Um, I thought this could be a movie. Like I thought this idea was good enough for a movie. I really liked this one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd have to agree with you. I think it could be a movie. Yeah. You're expecting things to be jumping out at them, but that's not what they're seeing. They're seeing like... Things that aren't jump scares, it's like deeper than that because it's actual like murders set up. Like there's like a yeah. a dead body with someone standing over it with a knife. Like they've just stabbed it the, the body a bunch of times and it was a real body. Yeah. Um And yeah, then you just feel trapped. You feel trapped in this yeah. ride. Like all the doors are locked. There's no way out. They're in there with dead bodies all over the place. And then this um, carnival attendee who's mad at them because they don't think it's funny and then he's chasing them and this one actually felt like really dire like um i was i was scared for the people in the issue
0: yeah yeah me too because also they had come across um sort of the last thing on the ride, the last like exhibit on the ride had no people in it. So he wanted to make them the last people. So like he needed them to be the last thing to make this perfect scary ride that looks so realistic. Um, So uh, yeah, I definitely felt for them. I was like, well, all these other people got caught and got killed and are now set up in this ride. So these people are goners. I thought they were actually gonna get killed in this issue. I was actually very shocked they got away.
1: I bet you this is a movie that exists. I would, yeah, I would uh, shout out to any of the listeners. If you know of a, an actual movie like this, I feel like I just heard something like this on a on a podcast I listened to as well. I feel like someone was mentioning a story like a story like this where some kids get locked in a carnival and then something That's goes it, yeah, down. Th-
0: actually, that actually might be true. I haven't seen sort of any of like the carnival horror movies, but there's like a couple big ones. So that could be the closest I was thinking while I was reading it was House of Wax, where they're like making real people into the wax figures. Um so that was yeah, that was the closest I could think of.
1: Dean, I think you'd like it cuz you you called it out. You thought it would make a great movie, so you need to watch this movie.
0: Yeah, I need to I need to get into carnival horror. I haven't really got into that at all.
1: Nice. I don't know how much of of that there is. But hey, remember I when think we There's
0: d- a couple classic movies.
1: Yeah? Yeah. remember when we did good time like that wasn't a horror movie but it does have like a a bit of time at at like a carnival that was a lot of fun that whole that whole scene was just a lot of fun it's really great so yeah i'd like to see more of that cool check out our good time episode by the way it was a good time our buddy pat joined us for that
0: yeah love
1: pat yeah love pat next up House of Horror. Now, that's a classic name.
0: Could be anything. Who knows what's coming up next?
1: Mm, what? No, you've got a house in it. horror. It could be.
0: Yeah, it's classic.
1: It's, yeah, but it's it's clearly in a house, and it's going to well, be scary.
0: I, who knows what'll be? Okay, who knows? Guess what? Be dude, in the house.
1: It's not going to be on an airplane.
0: <laughs> okay, I guess not anything could be coming up next. But who knows what would be in the house?
1: Oh, there you go. Okay, that works. A bit Sorry, better. yeah.
0: Like, could be ghosts, could be traps, could be... Oh, okay. I you gotcha. Know, I gotcha. Who knows? Yeah. Could be just Kevin McAllister. He's just got his yeah. micro machines and his paint cans.
1: Sorry if I gave you a hard time there. I just, uh, I got to keep you in check. Tim, you were right. I was way out of line there. It's okay. I accept your apology. Thanks. <laughs> okay. This story is about a college hazing gone wrong. Oh, my goodness. If I had a nickel for every hazing gone wrong wrong story I've heard of.
0: I mean, I feel like it's every single one.
1: (laughs) Hey. Nice. Nice, Dean. Thanks. There's three freshmen. They're taken to an abandoned house and asked one by one to climb to the top and shine their light out of the attic window. One by one they go. And shine their light on the first floor. Then the second floor. But then they never make it to the attic. Wilton, the head hazer, thinks they're playing tricks on him. So he decides to go in after them. He smashes out the window on the first floor. He's angry. He smashes out the window on the second floor. He's very angry. He's flexing. He also goes quiet. The remaining five guys decide to go in and find out what's happening. They make their way into the attic. They find Wilton has aged 50 years and has lost his mind. But the three freshmen are nowhere to be found. The police search for days, but find nothing. A week later, they decide to burn down the cursed house. There's no explanation to the disappearances, and the freshmen are never found. The end.
0: Yes, one of the best stories, super unique, because you have no idea what happened. I loved this one so much because it's creepy, and you have no idea why. You don't even know what happened. Just one guy was left, and he had aged 50 years, and his mind was gone? Where did everyone else go? What happened? He can't even tell them what happened. I loved this so much. I love this type of uh, open-ended thing where it's like, we
1: actually just have no idea. We have no info at all. Yeah. Th- this was one of my favorites. I found myself yeah. the most like uh, into it. Like I was the most yes. captivated by this story. I just one after another as they went and they they kept showing us, like as the first guy went, yeah. they, sh- they showed us the the person looking out the window with his light, then making his way up to the second, second floor, then disappearing And from the very first freshman that went up, that Wilton guy who's doing the hazing, he's like, oh, I think that guy's trying to mess with me. And then the next guy goes, and he's like, oh, I think they're plotting something against me. The third guy goes, same thing. And then he decides to go, and he disappears as well. And then his friends are just like, what in the hell is going on? I love this one. And then, yeah, like you said, there is no explanation for it. It's just like, we don't know nobody knows what happened it's kind of yeah. like make it up yourself I love those stories where yeah. it's like it can be whatever you choose it to be unfortunately it's so strange I don't even know what I could come up with
0: I don't know what I can think of yeah that's what I really liked it because I was trying to figure out in my head like what it could possibly be when they go in and when we find out what what could have happened to everyone and then we get there and you can't even put anything together because one person is still there who has aged 50 years and the others are gone. Like, it's not even like they're all in the same situation. They're in different situations. There's nothing I can come up with on this. And I I really liked it.
1: I'm gonna go with magic book.
0: Oh, it was definitely like you think they went into
1: a magic book? No idea. Just my answer is magic book. Uh, (laughs) Magic book was involved for sure. In whatever capacity, magic book.
0: Love it. So yeah, love this one. Back to back, great stories.
1: For sure. This next one's called Death Suited Him. Great. Did it ever. We see someone digging a hole in the ground. He's digging up the grave of John Baxter. But why, Dean? Why would you dig up the grave of John Baxter? I don't know. Tell me, Tim. Well, I don't have to because the old witch tells us. Mm. The old witch pops up. She's a friend of the Crypt Keeper.
0: Yes, she is.
1: He invited her to tell a terrifying story of her own. And she's got very one nice for of him. us. Extremely nice of him. It's actually yeah. very nice that he's inviting his friends, you know, t- to help out.
0: It it it's very nice and it's, he's I, I appreciate it. He's yeah, a, he's, he's selfless. a
1: selfless crypt keeper.
0: Yeah, he's he is. He now he doesn't quite look like the crypt keeper of the show. We should say that.
1: P- pretty close.
0: Pretty close. He's, he's not. not he's as... a cu- couple weeks out.
1: He's a couple weeks away. He's from a that. couple. Maybe he's a couple weeks of decay out. He's yeah, a couple weeks of decay away from that guy. <laughs> now I really like this. Um, that the old witch is going to tell us the story of why he's digging while he digs to fill us in awesome turns out the digger lawrence cabot and the dead john baxter were both into nancy anderson oh here we go
0: here we go love triangle
1: another crown of passion
0: yeah it happens a lot if, don't get if, into if, a love yeah. triangle people because if you win you die
1: Yeah, if two guys like a girl in this book, it results in murder.
0: It results in murder for sure.
1: Lawrence is poor, though, and John is rich. Lawrence can't even afford a tuxedo to go to the graduation dance. John can, and at that dance, he proposes to Nancy, and she agrees. Oh, man. If only John were there to propose, hey, if only John had a, yeah. a, a tuxedo as well, and he proposed first, she clearly would have agreed to him, right? Whoever proposes to her first, that's all, that's all that mattered.
0: Yeah, the only thing that stood in his way was a tuxedo.
1: If he just owned a tuxedo, then
0: he could have gone there and proposed first.
1: Right. It's just whoever, a- she, her whole thing is that if you ask me to marry you, I will. Just get to yeah, me first. exactly.
0: She just wants to marry.
1: Yeah, she's like 17. she's so old. She's yeah. like, "I might never yeah. marry if I don't choose someone at this graduation dance.
0: Exactly it's get it. the clock is ticking.
1: it is ticking. Yeah. I fast. hope everyone's
0: picking up on our sarcasm.
1: <laughs> we I think they are, Dean. Okay,
0: good. good..
1: Phew. Well, I hope they are. Do you think someone is not hasn't picked up on our sarcasm yet?
0: I mean, if they hadn't, they probably turned it off by now yeah i'd have to agree with that yeah so i think we're in the clear yeah
1: if if they didn't pick up on our sarcasm this is for surely a deleted episode by by now (laughs) maybe we should preface some of our episodes with we are sarcastic sarcasm ahead sarcasm warning yeah um you can have explicit content warning they should have a sarcastic content warning they should have an s on there yeah yeah that's us good idea Speaking of great ideas, Lawrence has a great idea. Excellent. Just like everyone else in this book, he'll simply turn to murder. Yes. So he does. He murders John. It's it's
0: it's amazing. That's how you get the girl, Tim. You murder the other guy and then you get the girl. She has no other choice but to marry you.
1: That's how you get ahead in this book is by murder. <laughs> yes. And no, nobody in any way nobody even thinks twice about it. They're just like, no. It's almost just like, okay, How do I get out of this situation? And it's like the first thing that pops in their head is murder. And they don't even consider it. They're just like, oh, thank goodness I was able to think of something. I'm just going to murder him. And they do.
0: And then it's done. Of course there's murder. It's just (laughs) How do I get the girl? Of course I murder the guy. How do I get ahead in business? Of course I murder my business partner. (laughs) Like, it's just, everyone turns to murder.
1: John and Nancy are a couple. How can I make my way in? Well... (laughs) Okay, let me think. What if John was dead? Mm, that would be good. How be good. How is he going to get killed? I could make him dead. I, mur- I could murder him. Yeah, yeah. That, would, that would be really quick and efficient. Let's just do Solves that. Solves all my problems. Let's go with that. Yeah. <laughs> Solves
0: all the problems.
1: Done. So he murders John, then slowly makes his way into Nancy's life. And he eventually proposes to her and she agrees. She can't turn down a proposal, is what I'm getting out of Nancy. She's just like, yeah. That's all yeah. yeah. Love, love me Nancy, getting some proposals. I'll marry whoever. She
0: loves loves to get to propose to.
1: Lawrence decides there's only one thing left for him to do. Murdering John wasn't enough. He must marry Nancy in John's tuxedo. That he's buried in. It's a. this is a major flex. It's like major one. I'm not happy with just murdering you. I want to. I want to marry your wife in your tuxedo. It's very aggressive. Tux- it's a little bit uncomfortable, even for this book.
0: It, totally, it all comes back to the tuxedo. He, that's why he's oh, Tim. You go ahead. That's why he's digging though.
1: There's a corpse in the tuxedo. Like, okay. Anyways, it's off to the grave for the tuxedo that John was buried uh. in. Lawrence is now ready to be married. He has the tuxedo, he's at the wedding, but he starts to feel crushed by it, like it's squeezing him and choking him. He's short of air, and he dies. Oh no. Upon further examination, they determine he died of poisoning from embalming fluid seeping into his skin.
0: Oh no, how did he get that on him?
1: the end how did he get it on him
0: yeah Tim how did he get embalming fluid on him
1: from the dead body that was embalmed
0: okay this guy is such a fucking idiot like he needed to be either a little more obsessed or a little less obsessed if he was less (laughs) obsessed he wouldn't have gone for the tuxedo if he was more obsessed he would have just cut off John's face and wore that to the wedding (laughs)
1: yes that's the proper ending fine. in this book <laughs> dean you yeah. nailed it I just, I just threw my pen my pen just went
0: <laughs> <laughs> he did he just did, couldn't find the right fit he he got the wrong he got the wrong type of obsessed and died because
1: of it dean i love that i love that yeah it's i love that his major flex at the end is what gets him killed he's already killed this guy yeah stolen Excellent. his wife But he's like, no, that's not enough. I must wear his tuxedo that he wore to his wedding and to this graduation. I got to rub it in his face even more. And that's even though he's dead. (laughs) Murder is okay. Stealing people's wives is okay, according to this book. But wearing another man's tuxedo. Nope. And do not do it. Greed is also not allowed. You can't be too greedy. No, no. A little bit of greed is okay. Don't be yeah. over the top greedy.
0: Yeah. That's the to the be this the one. first. This is going to be the first guy in all of these comic volumes that got away with it. He had it. He, had, he was going to get away with murder and he got too greedy. He had to put on the tuxedo. It's gross. He had to put on the tuxedo that the dead man was buried in. Why didn't he just go buy a tuxedo?
1: I did like this one a little bit more when I thought the tuxedo was actually killing him like squeezing yeah. in on his body. I thought that was a really cool idea. I think they yeah, should have gone some sort of haunting that. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The spirit of John is in the tuxedo and Same. just like crushing his body. I would have liked that. Same. Yeah, me too.
0: Me too. It was good though. Like, it like was I good. said, all four of these are really solid. I, I really like this volume. Or yeah. I keep calling it volume. I really like this issue.
1: Yeah, it was a great issue. So on to issue number 22. Mm. And we have... The thing from the grave. So Jim loves Laura. Laura loves Jim. But Bill also loves Laura. Uh Uh-oh. So guess what happens, everybody? Bill kills Jim and buries him in a grave. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't see that coming. Didn't see that coming. Love Triangle did not see
0: murder on the horizon.
1: (laughs) After a period of mourning, Bill moves in on Laura, but Laura vows never to love another man. So Bill decides to kill Laura, too. (laughs) Yep. But her shrieks awaken the dead Jim, who comes to save Laura. The burnt Jim corpse grabs Bill and self-buries them both together. The end this is an excellent story. I gave it a real yes. short synopsis, but that's kind of what happened. But this one is that visual at the end of um Jim's corpse grabbing Bill and just burying them together and Bill yeah. can't escape his grasp. that was <laughs> that was really, like scary. It was really good,
0: yeah. This one absolutely rules bear like getting. That having them buried together is kind of what puts it over the top. It's not just that, like he came out of the grave, uh, you know, got the other guy, got Jim or whoever it was, and then buried him in that grave. No, he's he's doing it together. He's like, now you will live with me in this in this hole. That was so cool. That was so creepy. Um, this reminded me of a, a something that happens in a lot of these books, A promise is very binding if you make any sort of promise even if it's supernatural it happens so this guy what i can't remember what was it jim who made the promise to laura jim made a promise to laura jim got that killed he
1: would bill okay bill so killed jim, made jim. A,
0: yeah so jim made a promise to laura that he oh, would he'd protect always her. protect her right no matter what, always. And because he made that promise, he was able to rise from the grave to protect her. It's like promises are very binding in this world. <laughs> you just like- That's true. It, you will, yeah, you will always, always be able to stick to a promise if you make it. That is really true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bill is, so I thought that we just like passed the biggest idiot in these stories, but Bill is definitely the biggest idiot in these stories. Um, He just kills Jim. It just kind of it seems like on a whim like he just kind of sees jim driving towards him and he's like oh i'll just kill jim that's how i'll get laura kills kills jim then laura's like i don't want to love you i don't i don't want to love anyone else and he's like oh all my planning and it's like what planning only one way out of this now yeah what planning are you talking about all you did was kill jim on a whim that's not
1: planning and well his plan was that he would kill jim and then laura would fall in love with him but
0: yeah, but he did he did not make a good enough plan. <laughs> I,
1: I love that all Laura does is reject him, but he still feels yeah. like he has to kill her. It's not like she knows that he killed no Jim or anything. That's she doesn't brutal. know anything. It's just that she no. rejected him, so he will also kill her now as He's well. Such a maniac! He's
0: <laughs> he a is maniac. a maniac. He got what he deserved. Will you marry me? And she's like, no, my my husband just died a month ago. And he's like, I will kill you too. <laughs> yeah, this one rules. Uh, bone zombie coming from the grave and dragging you back into the grave with him. Amazing visual. Loved it.
1: I loved it. I loved the idea yeah. that he is willing to bury himself again. Yeah. again. Yeah. And bury Jim with him. That was really good.
0: Laura actually never saw, um, Jim, so as like the corpse. So she doesn't even know how she got saved.
1: Wait, didn't Bill murder? Nancy? Didn't Bill murder her?
0: No, he put her in a cabin and lit it on fire. And then Jim oh, came out of the grave. That's Jim right. Jim came out of the grave and carried her out. He actually saved her because he promised. He promised. Right. So he came out of the grave. He saved her, but she never saw because of all the smoke and everything. So uh, she doesn't know who saved her. She doesn't know that it was Jim.
1: Okay. Well, that's a good thing to add because I think I said that he that he killed her. But he didn't kill her. He tried to kill her. Yeah. You're right. He trapped her in a cabin and lit it on fire. And then, yes, then Bill crawled out of the ground, saved her and then grabbed Jim and buried the two of them together.
0: Right. I think I got their names mixed up that entire time, but yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Someone died and I someone buried. or I
1: even mentioned Nancy by accident. Who's from the very first oh, yeah. part of issue one. Yeah, no, this is, this is Laura, right? Yeah, or is this that the is other lore. one? No, this is this <laughs> is uh, I think this is Laura. Listen, everybody, it, it's there's tough. a lot of it's, names in this. Book. Every single one of these has like three or four or five new people with new names, and there's always yeah. love triangles. It's a lot to keep track of. Uh, we're doing our best.
0: I didn't learn any of the names, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> it, how could you?
0: There was always a blonde guy and always a brunette, and one of them killed the other one. That's how I kept track
1: of it. Yeah there's a lot of killing, a lot of killing. All right. Up next, the second part of the third issue, blood type V. Cool. A vampire bites Jean, but then saves her life by giving her a blood transfusion of his blood, thus turning her into a vampire. Jean's lover, Fred, Fred, vows to try to stop the vampire but accidentally kills gene instead the vampire who himself was in love with gene now must kill fred for what he did we'll never know what actually happens though because the end
0: Ooh, creepy um tim i like this one because it's actually a more of a mystery than that synopsis you just read because um, we don't actually know that Jean got bit by a vampire. So all we know is that like her blood was drained. Like we can all assume it's called blood type V, but we know. She's got the marks.
1: We don't. They, they, They talk about the marks in her neck a couple times.
0: But they talk about the marks later. So at first, at first you don't actually know. You just know that her blood was drained. And then she gets like a blood transfusion from what we can assume is definitely a vampire Um, but then there's a vampire terrorizing people and so the the husband of of the of gene decides to go out and avenge um, and kill this vampire because he's pretty sure that that vampire is probably who who hurt gene and she has just disappeared and they think she has just gone like uh crazy you know and she's just lost her mind and disappeared so he wants to avenge that vampire and he ends up finding the vampire and killing it and it ends up being Jean because she was actually turned into a vampire and i think that reveal of it being her at the end is uh supposed to be like a bit of a shock
1: it was supposed to be it wasn't it was a little bit it was a minor shock it wasn't too much yeah uh um,
0: you could definitely see it coming but I really liked that type of thing where the hero of the story who you think who hasn't really done anything wrong um, ends up killing like his wife. Right. Because he thinks that it's the monster and it it actually like she is the vampire, but he thinks he's killing the other vampire and he ends up killing his missing wife because she's the vampire. And I liked that kind of... Um, That kind of thing in the story, where like the guy who's the good guy actually had the bad thing happen to him, which isn't really a thread that carries on a lot in these. It's usually the bad people that have the bad stuff happen to them. So I like that it was a good guy that it happened to.
1: That's a good. That's a good point. I never considered that. Um, I was just thinking this is another love triangle where everyone's going to die. Right. Uh, But they just don't. (laughs) Yeah. It was. was. Well, they don't show it to us, right? They actually do end the um, the issue Mm -hmm. with the the vampire and. Fred just kind of like at a standoff, like the vampire has decided he's going to kill Fred. Uh, but Fred was out to kill the vampire, but they end it. They don't let us know. Uh, I I think my most favorite thing about this issue was the way the vampire looked like he didn't look like your traditional clean cut, handsome vampire. He was a very like ghoulish looking character. He was run down. He looked busted. Yeah. And they they often used just complete black to make him look like a shadowy figure uh, for the mo- most of the time he was like in the issue. He was just this black shadow um, it was really neat. I really like that part of it.
0: Yeah. And I think when they were in vampire mode, they were big bats. So that's why Jean was killed by her husband, because he just stabbed a stake through a big bat and then. She, when she fell to the ground, she turned into Jean, and that's when he was like, wait, what happened? What is this? I thought I was killing the vampire. So I thought that was cool too, um, that Mm. they kind of became this monster as well. Cool. Yeah, good one.
1: Next up, Death's Turn. I like this one. Yeah, this one's good. We're back to the carnival here too. Yes. You're a lover of the carnival. You must love this one.
0: I am. I am. I do. I like the Dark Ride one better, but I do like this one.
1: Yeah, I think Dark Ride's better. This is a pretty tight, tight issue, though. This is good. Yeah. Tight uh, part of an issue. Two men are struggling to make ends meet with their amusement park when someone shows up offering to sell them the world's fastest roller coaster. Why? That would put them back in business, Dean. Yep. There's only one catch, though. The salesman wants a cut of their business. Ooh. Seems fair. Well, you know what it seems to me is greedy. And we know what this book does to greedy people. They die. They reluctantly agree. The roller coaster is built and it's finally ready to go. But the two men are greedy now. They want to kill the arrogant salesman. So they run the roller coaster, and they push him in front of the car as it reaches 106 miles per hour. Rude. The salesman is immediately killed. It's now time for the grand opening, and the two men want to be the first to test the ride. So they do. (laughs) They get in, they do the ride, and they return With their necks broken. In the end, Dean, the fastest roller coaster in the world proved to be a little bit too fast. The end. Yeah, it snapped their necks. It was so fast it broke their necks. This one's great because there's three greedy people and they all get killed.
0: And they all get killed, yeah. Um, I like... uh... I like as they're about to push the first greedy guy in front of uh, his roller coaster creation, he says, I just have one last test. <laughs> and then they push him in front of the <laughs> roller coaster and he dies. The last test was a human t- test. Human trial, someone, someone like to see if it. they would break a neck. Yeah. All they put in there, all they test. Okay, this actually is kind of a wild issue because
1: they, they threw made a the roller coaster. In there. And
0: yeah, they, they made the roller coaster, and they're like, all right, let's just open up. And the guy who made it's like, well, wait, we have to test it first. And they're like, what? Test? Why would we yeah, test the roller coaster? It? It's, ready to, it's built. <laughs> it's ready to go. <laughs> You're just going to open up a roller coaster without testing it? So their test is to put sandbags in the roller coaster one and run bag. it one time. One sandbag. One time. <laughs> one, sandbag one sandbag that sandbag. probably weighs one eighth
1: of a human being.
0: Yes, twenty pounds. One sandbag and run it one time. And they're like, good, we're good to go. We're good to open it the park. Just fine. Yeah, no kidding, it snapped your neck. You never tested this thing at all. Yeah. Love it. And I also love how the last two greedy guys at the end. They were so happy when they were getting into the. They just killed a man. Yes. They, ju- they were. S- they were getting into a cart. They were getting into like the roller coaster cart, and they're like, "Oh man, uh, w- wouldn't Jasper have loved to be here? Wouldn't he have loved to see the opening of his roller coaster?" It's like, yeah, he would have. You killed him. You pushed him in front of
1: it. Well, I was gonna say, like, uh, you know how you're reading you're reading a comic, and sometimes you get really excited, and your eyes kind of skip ahead some panels. Yes, that happened to me and my eyes skipped ahead and I saw them (laughs) after the ride had finished and they looked so fucking happy. And I was like, oh, they loved this ride. I didn't realize they were dead until I read the text, but I just thought they loved it. It was great, but yeah, because they had these giant smiles on their face, but the ride must have been so amazing. They had so much fun. (laughs) <laughs> but they died it killed them but it killed them they probably died the happiest death out of anybody in this book because it was just yeah. so much fun to the, it was so much fun for them to hit yeah 106 miles an hour
0: i actually would have been down with the uh it's saying that they died of having too much fun
1: yeah yeah or something like i don't need their necks broken just like yeah they yeah, even just nothing they died on the roller coaster event just leave it at that <laughs> right yeah and they have yeah. giant Mystery. smiles on their face yeah
0: yeah it was good it's, this was a good one but these two guys who ran this amusement park are just uh yeah one of the one of the most insane characters
1: of the whole bunch
0: yeah you have to test roller coasters what <laughs> are you talking about
1: but you already <laughs> built it why do you have to it's test built. it Let's get people on it. Let's go. Let's get people on it. Let's start making money.
0: (laughs) What is test? Why would you do this?
1: We must do the sandbag test. Only the one sandbag sandbag will we know if the ride is working or not. (laughs) We must know. (laughs) We must know how the sandbag survives. Oh, it Uh, stayed in perfectly.
0: I'd just like to test one more. Ah! (laughs) (laughs)
1: I wonder what he was going to say. One. It's a good one. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> oh, unfortunately, Dean, we're down to our last one. That's uh, kind of I, I feel like these I'd like to go really for fun. another 12. I'd just like to keep yeah, blasting definitely. these out. This is yeah. great. This one is called The Curse of the Arnold Clan. Robert Arnold finds an old book in his attic that tells of his ancestors. 300 years earlier, Jeremiah Arnold laid on his deathbed. He passed on his fortune to his two sons. One of those sons was greedy and killed the other by burying him alive. But Dean, before the brother dies, he curses the other. So every 50 years, the oldest Arnold shall die. 50 years later, that brother was killed in a house collapse. 50 years after that, his son dies in quicksand. 50 years after that, his son is killed in a coal mine cave-in. And now Robert finds himself reading the book exactly 50 years later. He doesn't believe in the curse and goes to a party.
0: Yeah, and let's just point out that all those ancestors died by being buried alive.
1: Ooh, that's nice. That's, yeah. uh, that's a good point. I didn't pick up on that. But you're right. One of them was buried alive in a house collapse. One of them was buried mm-hmm. alive in quicksand. Exactly. One of them was buried alive in a coal mine cave-in. Exactly. Very good, Dean. So m-
0: maybe something Robert
1: should look out for. Very good. If you keep up these good points, Dean, I may not have to murder you. Oh, that would be great. This is you you're. This is good. You're keeping. You're preserving yourself here. Whew. Now, at the party am I allowed to say that? Like, I think people, I feel like there's so many sound bites in this episode that if someone's like <laughs> this whole talking back crew, like they're not, they're not cool. They they are they're evil not... bastards. Yeah. Uh, just listen to this, listen to this clip from their episode. And we're like, He should have murdered the wife as well, and I'm going to kill you if you hadn't said that, and if you're greedy, I'm going to kill you, and then I'm going to murder you, and it was so great when he murdered that guy because that guy deserved it, and he should murder more people, and the one thing that this book was lacking was more murder.
0: Hey, man, it's October.
1: Oh, that's true. Actually, that's a, that's a good way out. It's October. That's
0: when you're in the clear. That's when the murder's that's true. in the clear.
1: That's true. If this was like a, a, a Christmas episode, we might be in trouble. But it's October. Well, yeah, exactly. It's October. Oh, we don't that, do it outside of October. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Um, Dean, at the party, a party game requires everyone to pull a ticket from a bowl and then find whatever's written on the ticket. You got to go find <laughs> yeah. it. Great. Okay. Arnold's wife pulls a moose head and he pulls an old musket and powder horn. What? Whoa, hold hey. on. Is is this the game that takes like a month to play? Like, you yeah, gotta, what is you this game? You gotta get a moose head and a musket? What is this Where game? Where are you getting that from?
0: This is a terrible party. This is horrible. <laughs> I would pull I would pull Moosehead and be like, I guess I lose.
1: <laughs> I guess I'm going off into the forest, everyone. See you later. Who pulled toilet paper? That's probably <laughs> easy to find. <laughs> you win. Probably the guy whose house it is.
0: You got, exactly, exactly.
1: Um, no, I already got their names wrong. I think I said Arnold. You said Arnold, it's Robert. It's Robert. This person is Robert. Um Luckily, Robert knows where to find. The musket. He knows there's a musket in his ancestor's coffin. So he goes, he finds the gun. You're waving your hands. Like, why would he know there's a musket buried in his ancestor from 250 years ago?
0: No, I know he read it in a book, but a book that he apparently doesn't believe is true. But still, he's like, mm, I know exactly where that is.
1: The, the coffin wasn't even in the ground. It was just like in, a, like a... yeah. A storage like, like
0: like he's a vampire or something yeah
1: just like he's chilling at his
0: bed <laughs> yeah why wasn't it in the ground i didn't even think about that
1: it's fine it's fine everything is 200
0: going, years old and it's not even in the ground
1: <laughs> everything's going we're, we're getting they're going
0: backed fine. up they're backed up on bodies they'll get around to it it's it's on it's on the agenda for next week
1: the caretakers busy burying the ones with leprosy <laughs> exactly get to the yeah you gotta get that yet. done
0: first You got to get that shit done
1: first. Now, luckily, Robert opens up the coffin and finds the gun. But the caretaker is coming around, so he has to quickly jump in and hide in the coffin. But when the lid closes, it locks shut. Robert is screaming for help. But the caretaker, his ears muffled against the cold, doesn't hear the cries for help that are being drowned out by the wintry gale. And he plods tiredly on. And as the church bell tolls midnight, the screaming stops. Another victim of the curse. The end. And the end of everything.
0: And I've already dubbed a few people, um... I think the stupidest people, the biggest idiots of these comics, um, it's Robert. We have a new winner. Robert takes the cake here. We have a new winner. It is definitely Robert. He's definitely the dumbest. He read. He read in a book in an, in his like ancestors' history that every fifty years people get buried alive. He is one of them. He is supposed to be the next one because it falls exactly on the correct date. It's exactly the day. It's supposed to be on New Year's Eve that somebody every 50 years dies. And he just goes, Well, I don't believe that, and crawls into a coffin. (laughs) He goes to a graveyard. (laughs) What are you doing? He goes to a graveyard
1: and crawls into a coffin. What are you doing? (laughs) You know what, Dean? He was greedy. He wanted to win. He wanted to win that party game.
0: He wanted to win the stupidest party game I've ever heard of. This guy is an idiot. He's the biggest idiot. He deserves to die. He crawls in a coffin when there's a curse on his family of being buried alive. Get the hell out of here, man. You deserve it. Idiot.
1: I agree with that. Great story, though. Great story. And that's it, man. That is our terrifying tale of Tales from the Crypt it's an amazing comic. I'm I'm straight up recommending this comic to anybody who reads comics. This is a ton of fun. I'm looking forward to reading more. I think we should cover more, but
0: I think so. There's yeah.
1: 27 issues. My goodness, this is a gold mine. It's just yeah. it's just a lot of fun. Like these are really fun stories. It's neat just knowing you only have to read 7 pages. Yep. And and in that seven yep. pages, they're going to introduce characters. They're going to introduce a problem, and then they're going to solve it with murder, and then there might be a twist <laughs> at the end. It's it's exactly it's pretty yes. cool. I like it.
0: What I like is that you only have to have one idea, and each of these stories just has one kind of idea in it, and then they sort of expand on it in in various ways. But um, you just have one sort of creepy idea or whatever, something that's eerie. And I love reading this seven pages and just getting this this eerie feeling i i I really yeah really really enjoyed all of these stories
1: yeah definitely cool all right dude we did it yeah it's done dean thank you for joining thanks tim thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you next time I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello! And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies... And argue about where they belong on our list
0: and decide you hate us because we've made fun of your favorite
1: movie. Join us every Tuesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal Mm. is a joke. (laughs) That's it for another episode. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you'd like to drop us a line, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as TalkBackPod, or by email at TalkBackPod at gmail.com. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews will help more people find Talking Back. All right, that's it. We're done.